Good morning, everybody. You know, it's weird. Every time the mic changes hands, you have to say good morning. I think we've got to stop that habit, maybe. Like, say good morning 30,000 times. But anyway, 30,001. Good morning, everyone. Are we good? Did you guys enjoy worship? Anyone got anything to share that happened in worship? Anything uh, interesting? Yes, we do. Uh, apparently online. Um, oh, yeah? Jane Dussart. Is it, how do you say Jane's surname? Janice. Janice Dussarty. Dussart. Dussart. Yeah, she was the lady who was willing, I mean, yearning to play guitar. Oh, wow. I keep forgetting that there's folks online, you know. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Sorry, guys. Sorry. These are here in spirits <laughs> and in digital. They're here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Come on, give God a round of applause. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, Janice, go for it. Janice Joplin Dussart. Yeah. She can become Janice Joplin Dussart. Janice Joplin. For Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, for sure. But go for it. Pursue it. I mean, if, uh, if that was something you had in your heart, just start. Yes? Hi. Yes, come up. Don't be shy. Give Ana- her a round of applause. Another guitarist. Her. Please, another guitarist. You're going to play guitar as well? No. Okay. <laughs> It's just for the guys at home and also the guys here. <laughs> okay, um, so I was called up here last week Sunday. <laughs> and um, a pastor said that he saw a, a camera in front of me. And the next day I was called for an interview. Um, the company that I went for, um, they sell electronics. And I got hired as a debtor's supervisor. So there was the Monday after. <laughs> so. Awesome. Praise God. I just saw a big camera in front of you. That's all I saw. I knew that meant something. <laughs> God is good. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And, and, you, and you had been looking for work. You actually mentioned it for the past month. Sure. God is good. Amen. 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 Electronics company. Duh. I thought you were going to be a photographer. I, <laughs> but, but you did say that you wanted to do photography. And I saw this massive camera. So... I'm sure you're going to still do photography, but this is like an interim thing. Maybe you're going to learn how to work with cameras before you can become a photographer yeah. at the electronic store. Maybe, maybe you should get a discount on a camera. <laughs> well, give God a big round of applause. Come Amen. on, man. Come on. I mean, that's so cool. You come to church, you walk in, and you know, you've got this need, and the Holy Spirit just points you out just to show you, you know, His eye is on you, you know? If his eyes on the sparrow, how much more is his heart with us? Amen? Sure. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say, can you comprehend that? The one who put the planets in their place, the stars. He flung the stars into their place. He's thinking about you intimately. Amen? Amen? Amen. Wow. Man, I, sometimes I, it just blows my mind. It's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal. And I mean, it, you know, that... Experiencing that goodness from him should put our hearts at such peace, guys. You know, it's one thing your older brother looking after you or your parents or, you know, one thing. But, man, the creator himself, geez, like, that's a big deal, you know. And, you know, when, when, when moments like this happen, guys, it's reminders to us that God is intimately interested in our lives. That, listen, how we want to live our lives and what we think is good and all that stuff is fraught, man. What he's got in store for us, we got to open up our hearts, you know. And if anyone here is wondering, it's like, oh, why does it happen here? You know why? It's because everyone comes together and they open their hearts and they truly lay down everything and listen to God, you know? 
This should be happening daily in our lives all the time so that when we come here, we can have word for other people. Amen? You'll be standing next to the person and then God will just be like, listen, just put your head on his shoulder and tell them that I love them. And you're like, what? Jesus, I don't even know this person. No, just do that. And I promise you all of a sudden you'll be like, okay, listen, I just feel like God saying that he loves you very, very much and that, you know, you're a beloved child of his. Next minute the person breaks down crying and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. But you didn't actually offend them. The Holy Spirit's showing you where their heart is open. The Holy Spirit's showing you where they're desperately seeking for him. Amen? So that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have our hearts open to him so that everywhere we go, we can have these moments. You know what I'm saying? You're only going to have those moments if you, if you live a surrendered life. Amen? And that's why, for some reason, the, the, the theme this morning in worship was to become like a child again. Remember the days when the, the disciples are arguing about how great they are? Who of them is the greater of the bunch? You guys remember that just before the, before the Last Supper? And uh, Jesus puts that argument to bed, how? Huh? By getting up and washing people's feet. Man, if you can just strip yourself of your pride. Your pride, okay, your very pride that you carry. Now, people think pride is just having a boastful attitude. No, pride is you trying things in your own strength, trying to provide for yourself, trying to protect yourself, self-preservation. Anything that is supposed to be God's job that you put your hand to, His plow, you will harden your heart to the grace of God. Amen? You are not allowed to touch his plow. His plow is parked, it's done, it's been cleaned up, the dust is over because he has done his work. How dare you go into his garage and start up his plow again? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Amen? So we've got to be careful that we never allowed to try and preserve ourselves. The moment you do that, you come under the curse. What is the curse? What is the curse of man? The Bible says in Galatians, it says, whoever comes under the works of the law will come under the curse of the law. Does the law itself have a curse? No. The law is good and holy and perfect. But the moment a man's heart tries to attain righteousness through performance by keeping the law, he makes his heart hard to God. Every step into the law through performance for righteousness is a step away from the throne of grace. Are you listening to me? Every time you try to protect yourself, every time you try and do it in your own strength, you are stepping away from the provision of God. That is the curse of man. That's the curse. Turn to the person next to you and say, P-R-I-D-E. Of you and me. What? Oh. Whatever. Come on, man. I'm trying to rhyme you. I got you. I got you. Everything's a rhyme nowadays. <laughs> Are you with me? So we've got to be very careful. And we've got to understand. Because remember we said for the next couple of weeks, after uh, Easter, we're going to go on to what actually took place on the cross? What actually took place in the grave? And what does it mean to be living in Christ now as the resurrected Lord and Savior? Amen. And this is the thing that most Christians don't actually understand. You see, in order for us to partake of God's nature, this was the whole purpose of Christ 
being incarnate, God himself coming incarnate in the flesh, okay, and living out a life of humility, a life of shame, a life of pain, a life of all of these things where he says, I am nothing without my father. He does that so that he can destroy the seed of pride that was put into our original parents that we were born into. We could not escape. We couldn't get out of the pride. The pride is the very thing that kills us. Jesus said, the moment you say you can see, you are blind. That's it, yeah. Amen? The moment you say you understand, you are confused. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. But can we come to the place where we submit to them? Can we come to the place where we humble ourselves? The greatest call of all the graces given to men is the call of humility. Because from humility comes everything that you need. Because the only thing that Scripture says that God will resist is the pride of man. That's it. But he does say that he will extend grace to the humble, to the humble man. Hello? Amen. If we don't get this one, we miss out on everything. How humble are you? And let me tell you one thing. You have to make yourself humble. You have to choose to be humble. Amen? Yeah. You have to choose it. God can't do it for you. If God did that, he would be going against the very law of free will that governs this planet. So he can't make you humble. He can love you and he can love you and he can love you again and love you some more. But only you can choose to humble yourself under that love and come to, the, uh, to repentance through the goodness of God. Turn to the person next to you, look them deep in the eye, say, nothing else brings a man to repentance but the goodness of God. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. So we're going to do a little exercise this morning, and I know Bash is going to jump on it, but I had it in my heart this morning. But um, you see, this is the problem with us. And we went into this a week before last at uh, discipleship school, and the Holy Spirit's just been pressing on me to continue with this even on into the Sunday, but to bring it into the message of the cross, because it is, it's a part of the cross. Everything in our faith is about the death, burial, and resurrection, amen? If you take the death, burial, and resurrection away, you have nothing, amen? So, what is the very cause of the human heart not being able to receive the gift of grace? Why does the heart the human heart, the depraved heart, why does it seem to stumble at grasping or receiving something that is free? Hello? This work is done, right? You've been bought by the blood of Christ, right? Everything between God and man has been settled through the work of Jesus, right? So why do we find it so hard to just receive the gift of grace? You see, in order for us to surrender to the goodness of God, we have to believe, the starting point is this, that you are not good. That's the problem. Hello? 
You must understand, Christ had to come and pay that price because there was no way out for you and me. There was no way out. We were depraved to the core of our being, of our existence. Not totally depraved, because some Christians believe we were totally depraved to the point where we couldn't even use our free will to choose God for salvation. They believe that God uh, determined you who would be saved and who would go to hell before they were born. It's called predestination, double predestination, Calvinism. Nonsense. That is rubbish. Yeah. It's rubbish. Turn to the person next to you say, Hamosh. If that was the case, just by the way, why are we here? Why am I preaching the gospel to you? Why is Bash here playing his guitar for you to have experience with God? You're going to hell anyway, some of you. Or heaven. Or, no, but, or heaven, but I'm saying for the lost. Yeah. They've been determined lost forever. Yeah. Why, why did Jesus say go out and make disciples? Exactly. Exactly. So we've got to understand total depravity is not true. Mm. But depravity is true. What is depravity, folks? I used an example on Wednesday about receiving the gift. Now, how many of you guys, I'm going to take you through it quickly. I said, how many times have you guys received a gift from somebody? A beautiful gift, a nice gift, a gift that was like actually quite valuable. Anybody received the gift before? Put up your hand. Awesome. Jeez, I was about to pray for some people that never, ever received the gift. <laughs> I'm about to give them a gift. <laughs> and, and what is the problem with this receiving of the gift? The moment... The, the person, the giver, gets up to give the gift, what do we do? We already start thinking, we don't deserve it. Oh, geez, you know what? Why is this person buying me a gift? Have I, have I actually phoned them in the last six weeks? Uh, uh, must I give them a gift now because they're giving me a gift? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You know? And then, for the next two days or so, you are thinking of so many different ways how you are going to now make this person feel so good. You know, should you phone them twice a week? Or should you maybe go visit them? And you haven't seen them in like a year. But now all of a sudden, you have the, this, this thing on you that's like, no, but I have to do something because they gave me a gift. A free gift. You can't even receive a free gift without judging yourself. You can't even receive a free gift. You want to know why Jesus had to save you? You were depraved. I'm depraved without him. I can't even receive a gift freely. Oh my gosh. How sick is our flesh? Are you with me? Why? Because of our low self-worth. Because you must understand, that's what the fall did to us. Amen? So we can't even receive the gift because we're trying to attach something to the gift to make us feel okay about receiving it. Are you, do you guys see where I'm going? Are you with me? Turn to the person next to you and say, that's how useless we actually are. That's not, a, it's not an insult. It's a fact. Hello? Yeah. We can't even receive a free gift. And then the sick thing about it is, the thing that we try to do to make ourselves uh, uh, receive the gift by working for it, okay, you know what we do? We, we want to give them a gift on their birthday or give them a phone call because they gave, you never thought of giving them a phone call before they gave you the gift. But now all of a sudden, you've got to give them a call, you've got to give them something back, and guess what? 
It's only to make yourself feel better. It's not because you actually love the person. It's because you're trying to cover yourself with your own self-righteousness. Do you understand how doubly depraved we are? Turn to the person next to you and say, Booty! Sissy! Thank God for Jesus. So depraved. Okay, so now let's just take this on a little bit of a journey. So if that's how we act, just receiving a gift, how do you think people act when they have to prove they're right? <laughs> now, I mean, if that's just receiving the gift, our own self-righteousness, our own depravity comes out like that in self-preservation, how much more do you think you are going to kick into drive with your pride when, you're right, yeah. when somebody's saying you're wrong when you're actually right? When somebody's cut you off, the, off in your lane when you were in the right lane and they weren't? Hello? Hello? It's like this, like, I don't know, it's like this echo chamber of just flesh, 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 flesh. <laughs> My flesh sucks, 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 sucks. We, we can give you that effect if you want. Okay. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you say, My flesh stinks, 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 stinks. <laughs> Sounds like they're saying a lot. So, you guys are going to understand how depraved we actually are in our flesh. We're going to understand how much we needed a Savior. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, there is nothing you can bring to the table. When will we understand this? When we go into prayer time, before you open your mouth to come up with some kind of prayer that you think is going to sound right or be right, God already knows the wickedness that dwells in your heart, the self-righteousness that permeates through your soul, the self-preservation that you are planning to walk out the front door with that very day. He knows it. You can do it in Elizabethan. You can have your best praise and worship music on. You can do all those things. If you want to set up the atmosphere to romance God, you cannot romance him without the blood of Jesus. Do you understand? Am I telling you you are bad today? Yes. Am I telling you you are bad today so that you can go and try and be good? No. I'm telling you how bad you are so that you can realize it, so that you can receive the goodness of God that will bring you to repentance. Exactly. I want to go to some scriptures quickly, Bash, before you jump in there. Let's go to Romans 3, 9 to 19. Let's just read what the scriptures say. Say again? Uh, New King James is fine. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So what is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was not to make you right with God. The purpose of the law was to kill your self-righteousness, to shut your mouth before God, to shut my mouth before God. 
before I even attempt to open something up out of here. It is wicked in itself. Are you with me? There is nothing that I can bring of myself. That's why when you come into prayer, come with the word, come with the promises, come with the finished work of Christ. Don't come with, oh, Lord, I can do this, or Lord, I can do You can do nothing without the Father. And you can do nothing without the Son. Yeah. Do you understand that the very thing Jesus came to kill in the incarnate flesh was your pride, my pride. That's why he had to die naked on the cross in absolute humiliation. The flesh had to be humiliated to that point, naked unto death, cursed and battered. Why did he have to take the whips? Why did he have to take the, the piercing of his, in his side of the spear? Why did he have to take the cursing? Why did he have to take the spit? Why? See, because he was doing a work in this flesh, the body and the soul. What was the work? Do you know, I was watching a thing a couple of years ago, and I always thought to myself, how do these guys who get on the, get on the yachts for like months, how do they store their food? You know, because they don't even have refrigerators and stuff on there. And then I went to check it out, and, and then funny enough, the way that they store their food or make their food right for months on end is they take it to a, a certain uh, um, process, and this process is called irradiation. So in order to make that food uh, uh, keep it whole, wholesome or edible for months at a time, sometimes years, they irradiate every bug, every bacteria in that food. And then they vacuum, vacuum seal it within a couple of minutes. You see, what Christ was doing on your behalf is he was irradiating the bugs in our flesh. He was purifying the flesh by going through that process when every single sin, every single emotion, every drop of pride, every single thing pertaining to our weak flesh was literally getting drawn out of him in the flesh. God himself. Do you understand? He was purifying us in him. Amen. I know this is heavy, but this is your faith. Then he says yeah. okay, next scripture. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the Lord, no flesh will be justified in his sight for no, no, this is not the, where we go, 3, 9 to 19, eh? Romans started, 3, started at 19. you started at 19, sorry, go back to 9. Are we better than they not all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they're all under sin, yes. Okay, it's talking about a depravity. As it is written, read it with me, there is none, no, there is none who Okay, there is none who seeks after God. Okay, keep going. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. You thought I was heavy. You thought I was being heavy. I never said anything about your throat being a tomb. Okay? <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. He's saying your... <laughs> 
That's what he thinks of your throat. So their throat is an open tomb with their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Keep going. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Hello? Let's go to another one. Because I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from here. Let's go to Genesis 6 verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, hello, continually. Okay? Let's go to Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Let's put, let's put this to bed once and for all. Can we do that? Let's do it. The flesh sucks. Amen. That's it. Okay? Amen. The heart is deceitful above all things. Now, read that out aloud, please. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Hmm. And then Psalm 51 verse 5. Remember, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. You needed the goodness of God because even your goodness is evil. If you can't receive the gift, and the person's given you the gift, you can't even just receive it, you that you have to try and preserve yourself and work for it to cover yourself, not even to say thank you, because that's truly what the heart the heart's doing. So even your good attempt is, it falls short of the goodness of God. Hello? It falls short of the goodness of God. Yeah. You cannot experience God's goodness until you understand that you have none of your own. The problem with Christianity today is when you come into a church, you get preached the message of self-motivation. You can do it. Read the scriptures. Pay your tithe. Do this, do that, and you will please God. For you that are on discipleship school, what is cheap grace? Even your fasting is cheap compared to the blood of Christ. Amen? There's nothing you can bring to compare to the blood of Christ. So what's the call here for the Christian life? The call is to surrender to the finished work. Exactly. Amen? You have to. If you want to experience God's goodness, turn to the person next to you and say, this is what you need to do. Now stare at them deeply, sincerely, and say, get over yourself. In the name of Jesus, now. <laughs> Come on, give God a praise. That was yo.
You, you know that thing you were talking about, uh, uh, getting motivational messages, and you know all that stuff. It's, it's so funny is that in and of ourselves, every day we're negotiating with our flesh. Come on, you can do this. Come on, you know. You, you listen to sportsmen, you know, when they talk about obviously the physical side, the training, the nutrition, but then they go into the, the mind of it, you know. It's like when you get on the court, you got to believe that you can, you know. Respect your opponent, but don't fear them. You know, all this stuff. It's like all this, this motivation, and, and that's great. I'm not coming against that in sport, right? Whatever, that's fine, however it works. But um, we, we go through that same negotiation every day. Yeah, yeah, that, that we go through that every day when actually what we should be saying is that, Lord, your grace in me takes me through this. You see, Paul makes a statement, and he says, place no confidence in the flesh, right? But... We have plenty of confidence in our flesh, plenty every day. And, and, and listen, across our entire life, you know, until we're with the Lord again one day, we're going to realize where we, we have confidence is independent of God and Christ's finished work. That's how repentance works. You see, God uses his goodness to bring us to repentance. That's Romans 3.23. I think it's just after that, Ronnie, you know, after that, that section that we read there. But, but God... God's goodness is what draws us to repentance, right? And repentance is not salvation, okay? Repentance is changing of the mind. It is changing of your mind. Because, oh, I thought you put it up. Sorry, man. Still looking. It's not there? 25? 23? It's three something. Anyway. Okay, but it's there. But um, repentance is the changing of that mind. Because like you heard this morning now, if we keep on thinking that we can... If we keep on thinking that we're good, if we keep on thinking we're able, we're going to have a problem, right? Now, here's the mechanic because now remember, like, like I mentioned last week, um, I think it was on Wednesday, when I said, you know, um, as, as believers, we've been given a very extreme mindset about things, right? And I use the example that you tell someone, you know, don't get an identity in a career and then they'll say, oh, I'm not going to work. It's like, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, don't get your value from a career. They're like, oh, pastor said we don't have to work. No, that's not what we're saying. And the reason why that extremity comes in is because the flesh is foolishness to the spirit. See, God's new logic that he brought uh, based on Jesus is foolishness to the ways that we were holding on to before. So we had confidence. Everyone do this. Confidence, right? Because like we read in that, that Psalms, Oh, sorry, 2-4, not 3-something. Okay, yeah, 2-4, there it is. My bad. <laughs> we had confidence in all the things we were taught because what, what did it say in Psalm? That, you know what, I was, I was born into iniquity and conceived in sin, right? So I was just taking on all the confidences that were given to me. But you see, when we come to Christ, he's trying to show us, listen, my dear beloved child, everything that you've been taught is keeping you in corruption, it's taking life away from you. It's causing hardship. It's hurting you. It's hurting the people around you. And ultimately, death is your portion. But behold, Jesus came to say, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. He's making a distinction, guys, that us carrying on now is not about, oh, yes, I'm carrying on with my life, and now Jesus is part of it. He's saying, if you want the life I'm giving you, you've got to let go of all of that. You gotta cut it all off. Now the mechanic is this, okay? When we, when we say that the goodness of God brings someone to repentance, all right? It's not once, it's every day. 
every day you need to be experiencing the goodness of God because the goodness of God expressed through his very nature through Jesus, right, is what gives us the vision for life. Are you with me? See, we need to move from, okay, this morning I'm going to wake up and then today I'm going to go out and get this. Right? Remember you were talking about those personal motives when we go to God, you know, those negotiations that we do. I'm going to go and I'm going to get this. We've already decided what prices we're going to pay to go and get that. Whether it's going to be hurting someone else, hurting ourselves, putting in X, Y, or Z, it doesn't matter. We've decided. But Christ is telling us, listen, a price has been paid. But not for the thing you're looking for. A price has been paid for something even better. That's where we as believers need to land on, guys. That in and of ourselves, our flesh, our understanding, any logic we're holding onto, independent of the revelation of the death, burial, and resurrection of who Christ is and what he did, we are settling for less. You see, dying to your flesh is not a principle of compliance. It's a principle of responsibility. Amen? Because dying to your flesh is the key to experiencing your inheritance in God. What Christ has paid for us to have. Are you with me? You know, there are messages that taught, do good so God can love you. Okay, but we just saw a few scriptures, and trust me, there's mountains more, right? About how we could not achieve good. There is this misconception that we are called to be good. Hello? Are we called to do well and be good? No. We're called to be found in Christ. Amen? He predestined us to be found in Him. He made the way for all of us to be found in Him. And our responsibility is not to be good. Our responsibility is to die to flesh and awake to righteousness. No matter where we go, our responsibility is that someone may be saying, you know, they're good, they're this, they're all that stuff. And like, listen, that's great. But I want to let you know, I know in my heart that even the best that I could come up with is not good enough for this moment right now. Amen? That's why it's so important that we need to walk connected with God in our hearts. Amen? And you see, our calling is that when we start now walking in this new identity in Christ, if we, if we truly experience our new position, you know what's going to happen? We're going to start harmonizing with that goodness. And we're going to start realizing that, you know what, when it's time for me to fight to be right, I don't need to. Because I know if I'm going to fight to be right now, right, what's going to happen is I'm going to destroy something here. So what do I do instead? Because I'm experiencing the fullness in God, I can lay it down. It's like, okay, I don't need to be right here. But what I need to be doing is listening to the Holy Spirit too get a direction to life. Are you guys with me? Get a direction to life. Get a direction to life. Because that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that in these moments like we had this morning in worship and last week, right? We want to make sure that, you know, when our hearts are open and we're like, wow, God's amazing. Jeez, thank you, Jesus. We want to make sure that every moment when we're out there, we're experiencing the same thing. Hello? What's the point if we're not? Do you know... You know, this is the craziness, guys. The craziness is that this is the curse of man. This is the curse of his pride. Mm. Are you with me? Do you know how many times I've sat with marriage, uh, doing marriage counseling? 
And I would turn to them after an hour of them accusing each other of everything that they've done. Okay? And I turn to them and I say, did you guys know that this all goes away the moment one of you humbles themselves and says sorry? Then they look at me like I'm from another planet. But I'm like, this all disappears right now if one of you lets go and trusts God to protect you, to protect them, not to try and protect themselves and what they have to say or they have to back chat or they have to prove their, their, their value or if they have to try and make that person love them. You can't. But the moment you surrender and you let go, it all goes away. The guy's on the road. The one guy cuts off the other guy. And then the next moment, they're chasing each other for like 10 kilometers. <laughs> the moment one of them just goes, all the stress, all the anxiety, all the things of when the car pulls over, this is what's going to happen, and this and that, all of that just goes away. Exactly. Why? What's feeding it? Your pride. Why do you think Jesus comes and he says to you, turn the other cheek? <laughs> I'm looking at some of the guys here, they're like, David's like, you slap me, but I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be able to reach David's cheek, <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah, you'll have to get a chair. <laughs> By that time, he's already left, so you, you'll get off. <laughs> yeah. Are you with me? Are you guys with me? Guys, you've got to be so careful. Mm. I mean, we are sitting and watching flesh brew on our phones when we watch people like, uh, what's this famous guy, Tate? Andrew Tate. All he talks about is how, what a man looks like, Top G. Top G will break you because he's an ex-kickboxing champion. Top G is successful because he he's got 10 Bugattis. Top G is protecting himself by treating women uh, quite badly. In, in many different respects. It's all about self-preservation. Yeah. It's all about the very thing that Christ came to save you from. That's it. Now, let's quickly just shoot back to the moment I was speaking about where we don't even have in us the capacity to receive a gift for free. How are you going to stand before God? Free in your heart? You can't even receive a gift from another person. Now, <laughs> the God of the universe stands before you. How are you going to be able to receive heaven as that free gift? Mm. If you haven't persuaded your own heart here, now, today, fully persuaded yourself that the gift has been paid for, shipping and delivery, Included by Jesus. You can't even receive a gift from a friend Mm. without bringing your self-righteousness. Do you understand that what Christ came to save you from was your broken conscience that would have condemned itself to eternal separation and punishment because that's what your own heart knows it deserves. But this walk of faith is us using the word to persuade our hearts by faith, to be fully persuaded. That's what it means. That when I stand before my Savior, 
I don't have to bring anything. I find something in my nothingness. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he may increase. What is he talking about? He's talking about the root cause of why you are not able to flow with grace. God's ability, the gift of grace. Do you understand why he had to go through what he went through on the cross? Do you understand, folks? What was the purpose of this? Yes, the purpose of this was to clean the body, the soul, to be resurrected again in life, to be perfected like the first Adam was before he died, before he fell. Christ had, the second Adam had to be perfect all the way through the punishment, everything, use his faith, get resurrected, be seated at the right hand of the Father. For what? So that you could go where he's going as a free gift, but not, it doesn't stay there. It doesn't stop there. It's so that other people in the world can see you partaking of God. Because if they don't see you partaking of God's nature, they won't never believe God exists. Are you with me? If they never see someone else turn the cheek, they will never experience God. All they will know is human flesh. If they never see somebody trust God to the point of where I don't even know where my next meal comes from, but I trust you, God. They're never going to experience God or believe there is a God. They will only know there is a God and that He is good because of how you have surrendered to His goodness and received His gift of grace. It's the only hope they have. Nothing else is going to get them. No courses. They can study, they can study uh, seminary scriptures until they're blue in the face. It's not going to get them to believe there is a God. The only time they will see it is when they see you walking like Christ, turning your cheek, trusting in the Father, Amen. humbling yourself, not fighting for yourself, trusting that He will avenge you in every way, he will protect you and preserve you in everything. Amen. When we live like that, that's when they see God. Amen? Amen? Please, don't bring anything of yourself. Please lose yourself so that you can experience him. Amen. Give him a big round of applause. Come on. Amen. So this week, guys, Practical, because we're going to be going with this series, you know, for a couple of weeks. Because I promise you, this mechanic that we're explaining this morning, you have to deal with for the rest of your life. So let's become skillful in managing it. Let's become skillful in walking by the Spirit. Amen? So this week, all right, how do we do this? This week. Anytime you've got stress, anytime you've got fear, anytime you've got insecurity, anytime you've got anything, right? What's your first reaction? Or either I'm going to find a way to dull it out, or I'm going to find a way to fix it. All right? You guys agree? All right? What you're going to do now, if you truly want to walk in the way we've been explaining this morning, right? You're going to take a deep breath, you're going to take a step back, and you're going to speak and say, Lord, right now in this thing, I trust you to lead me. Amen?
right now in this thing, I trust you to lead me. And whatever you need, right, whatever it is you're going to need, God has already given us an intellectual understanding of who he is. What is that? His names. He's given us. He's healer, protector, provider. He's all these things, right? Our victory, our righteousness, our holiness. He's given us all these things, and that's intellectual knowledge. It's understanding, like this is who he is. So that we have a benchmark to what to open our hearts to. Amen? So when these things come up, you in and of yourself, ladies and gents, you need to make the decision in your heart to say, right, in this moment right now, I'm not going to choose my flesh to satisfy myself. I'm not going to choose my flesh to fix this. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to drop my shoulders and say, Lord, I trust you in this. I'm going to trust you to lead me. Ah, oh, but Pastor Bash, what about, you know, we, we need this and we need that. It's like, listen, do you know what trust is? You have to say, if, it, it's not like, if, you know, like when you're at work, you know, and if you've ever, ever been the new guy in the, in the premises or you have to train the new person, right? You know when they say, it's like, oh, no, no, you can handle it. And then you're busy handling it as the new guy, but then they're behind you, like, you know? To many of us, God's the new guy in our life. He's Sounds the ancient like parenting. Of, eh? Sounds like good parenting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, not for that scenario. But, but the thing is, for many of us, God is the new guy in our life. He's the ancient of days. He's the one who has been, right? But to our own experience in life, oftentimes he's the new guy. But if we truly want to acknowledge who he is, we have to trust him. And we have to wait. We have to wait that he is who he is. Now, here's the thing. In the waiting, it's not that God is making us wait. It's not, and you know, the experience has always been, oh, his timing is perfect. You know, I'm not disputing any of that. But oftentimes the delay for us receiving from God is because our hearts are still closed. Hello? Are you with me? That's why, guys, as believers, our number one priority every day is let us persuade our heart to who God is. Let us choose moment after moment after moment. The way this works is you don't just keep coming to church and all that stuff, and then you get to a point like, oh, I'm persuaded, hallelujah, I can trust God now, right? But all the time in between, while you're learning and you're studying and, you know, and all these things, you're not trusting him in every moment. You never get to a point where you are persuaded. Are you with me? So start. Make a decision to say, Lord, I'm trusting you in this. Pastor Bash, you don't know how badly I need this. It's okay. I don't need to know. God knows how badly you need it. But you need to want his view of everything, his vision for everything, his righteousness in everything more than you want that thing. And that's not a magical spell that's going to happen, guys. That's a choice that you and I have to make. Is that in this thing, I want to see his righteousness. So I'm going to wait until he shows me. Are you guys with me? So be practical this week, every single day. Do it with the little things. But start persuading your heart. Start making the decision to walk in the consciousness of him. Amen. 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 Let's go to Philippians. This is a scripture for you guys to meditate on for the week. Are you guys ready? Over the next couple of weeks, this is going to be our foundational scripture. We're going to build off of this, and we are going to take you on a journey that you have probably never heard of before. Let's go to Philippians 2 verse 5. And uh, what is that? Let's go all the way down to, to eight. Okay. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, 
who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So what is this saying? It's actually saying that Christ, he never felt it uh, as a lessening of his value, as a, as a discounting of his value to step up the darling of heaven, the righteousness of heaven, to take off his cloak of deity, okay? To now, you must understand, what is his nature? <clears throat> what is the nature that is in heaven at that time? It is pure humility. God's nature is humility. Look at what it's saying. It's saying that God himself found it not as a discount to take off his robe as deity. Step down, not only does he take the, the, the humility from heaven, he comes and he puts it into incarnate flesh. Well, same thing, put into flesh. Are you with me? He takes the humility of God's nature, the humility of heaven, the very thing of who God is, and he takes off his power, and he puts on the body, the tent, the fallen tent of a man, depraved to its very core, and he comes and serves us, doesn't count it for one second as a lessening of who he is in stature. Are you with me? And then walks it out to the fullest extent of the punishment that we deserved up until the point of death and beyond. You know what the scripture says in the beginning? Let this mind also be in you. This is the call of a Christian family. Not to sing songs on a Sunday and then go out there and live like hell's chasing you because you're living in your flesh 24-7. Are you with me? The call of a Christian is to live in the absolute nothingness of your flesh, fulfilled in the death and the resurrection of his flesh. Amen? You're not called to be good. You're called to be good in Jesus. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? Give him one more big shout of praise.